I do have, um, I would say, some experience and some like grown confidence over the years. If I was mm-hmm. 25, I don't think I would be as bold um, as I've been. Hello, everybody, and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I'm your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. So you didn't hear from me for the last two Thursdays because I was on vacation. I went to Vienna, I drank wine, ate cake, hiked, and fell in love with this amazing city and its people. I mean, do yourself a favor, go over to B Squared C on Instagram, and you're welcome for my lovely vacation pics. The episode you're about to enjoy is a conversation I actually recorded before I left, but I felt I did not have enough time to do it justice in terms of prepping it for release. So here it is now. Warning, it is a long episode, longer than my usual by maybe some 10 minutes or so, because it was so hard to leave out any of the incredible black girl magic that is Britney Ray. I mean, Brittany and I just went all in. We chopped it up about like everything from what drives Brittany to her experiences of being a black American living abroad and how different the experience of race is in Europe versus in America. Most of all, I want you all to hear about the incredible work Brittany has been doing at her company in the last few months as the leader of Be Bold, the black employees group at uh, booking.com where she works. And they've really done some great work to help their leaders understand what black employees need um, and for them to pick the right actions that they are working on right now. So if you have been wondering about things like that over the last few months, this is the episode for you. I will not give any more of Britney's magic away. Let me have her tell it herself. Here's Britney's story. Hi, Britney. Hey, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I can with you. I really can. Look at you coming from Zanzibar. You know, I'm 10. I'm ready. Feeling, uh, I'm feeling empowered by the ancestors to do the right thing in life. So I'm, ha- I'm, I'm having good spirits. Good, good flow is running through me right now. I mean, um, you took yourself to Zanzibar in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it'll be a story for the grandkids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, what? I'm like, I did crazy things too. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, Zanzibar was like, we were looking at places to go that were mm-hmm. on the continent. Because uh, I have some friends from the U.S. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. can't get into Europe. Yeah. And we're like, we want to put money back into the hands of our people. It's just mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. In Zanzibar, you know, they prayed away Corona. Yeah. <laughs> back in April. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, and it worked, I guess, because they're fine. So we decided really? to take yeah like it's BAU there like business as usual people are out and about businesses are up and running it's just the fact that they rely so much on tourism mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I was just telling someone even down to the fishing industry because they sell their goods like they're really fresh expensive seafood to these posh hotels right but there are no visitors so they're selling it for the bottom rate uh, barely making it 
Uh, so you see a lot of economic downturn because mm -hmm. it's so low. But in general, people have good spirits. They're hopeful. And they just want more people to continue. To come to over. Yeah. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Zanzibar has always been on my list. So it's I'm, gorgeous. I'm and I'm sure like, people are so friendly. I am so, so happy. But welcome to the pod. <laughs> Yes, I'm in here. <laughs> I wish we had seen each other in person, but it's okay. We'll make it happen sometime. Damn quarantine, don't you worry. I'm yeah. being safe. And they quarantine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I mean this whole season I've been doing stories of from America, uh, triggered by, you know, what happened with uh, Black Lives Matter in the last few months and the global fight against racism. Uh, but I have Brittany in the chair today for some very uh, special reasons. She's not in America in particular. She is in the Netherlands, like me, uh, but she has been doing some incredible work on this topic uh, where she, she works uh, at her company. So super excited to get into that later, Brittany. Sounds good. I'm excited yeah. too. <laughs> okay, so I always actually start with um, introducing people with three things about themselves. And I'm going to actually let you introduce yourself today. So tell us, who is Brittany in three experiences or um, things about yourself? Let's see. Oh, that's a tough one. Three experiences. Most people ask for three words. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get let there. Let me think about the experiences. So I would say that I'm someone who always enjoys helping others be their mm -hmm. best selves. So I was just thinking about things I'm passionate about. And I like to make sure that everything I touch helps someone else achieve what they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would say that's one. Um, I'm also someone who's interested in culture and experience, so I okay. like to say I travel often. I'm mm -hmm. sure there are people who travel way more, but I think for me as a, yeah, an American girl from the Midwest, Michigan to be exact, oh. there wasn't much exposure to different cultures. There was right. white, black, and Arab. And that was it. Uh, and Black meant Black American, nothing else. Right. So for me, travel and exposure or travel and experience has exposed me to, yeah, just different cultures and how people work. Uh, so that's been important in my development as an adult, especially. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lastly, I would say I'm like firmly rooted in a couple of core values that mm -hmm. stem from my family. Mm -hmm. So very family oriented and it's always mm -hmm. family first. And we're, um, you know, I was taught growing up to just be thankful for every day because every day is not promised. Right. So I would say, yeah, deeply rooted in the value that you make the most out of the time you have here. And that kind of goes back to me wanting to always make sure people uh, are mm -hmm. living their best lives and like right. how I can help with that be exposing myself to people mm -hmm. so I can learn more and then yeah just being thankful I love it I love it so you are at booking.com right now yes yeah. almost two years almost two years in Amsterdam right yes yes mm, how's that been going so how did you get to to that role yeah, so I wasn't necessarily looking for a job abroad. I was uh, in mm -hmm. New York City working before moving to Amsterdam. I had been there about 12 years post undergrad and grad school. Mm -hmm. So I was living there, living fine. I enjoyed my job. I had great friends. Uh, but I actually had a, a old colleague come back to uh, my job and he ended up leaving the job for booking. So we, we had a quick chat and he's like, oh, just give it a look. You might like Amsterdam. You like to travel right. so much. Why don't you move to Europe? And I'm like, like fair point 
So I literally went on LinkedIn that afternoon and I saw this role. I told him and he's like, yeah, I, I'll figure it out for you. And about six weeks later, I had a job offer to work in Amsterdam at booking.com doing program and change management uh, for our, our sales teams. Our local wow. So you just took a chance. Yeah, it was a huge leap because I was having a great year at my company. I remember mm -hmm. I told my boss, she cursed at me on the phone because she's like, I just got you a promotion and the raise yes. and this new title. I fought so hard for now. it. And, and you're about to leave. And I was like, girl, you should have did it last year when I actually did work. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm coasting now. Like I was mad last year. Now I'm just here getting checks. Mm -hmm. um, so basically the stars align. And I like to say it was like a, a bit of intention, a bit of opportunity and a bit of luck. I can't say that it was planned, but intention yeah. being, I knew I wanted to live abroad eventually, but I thought it would, I would move with my previous company after promotion. Mm -hmm a bit of luck because this guy I hadn't talked to in two years randomly reached out because he couldn't get into our work building. Right. And he, I still work there. And then timing, there was just a job opportunity um, available. It. Yeah. It, it really was a trifecta. It was yeah. not one thing on its own. So that's how I ended up. Yeah. Leaving New York city, moving to Amsterdam, starting a mm -hmm. new company with booking mm -hmm. um, pre-corona. So things were good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things are good. Back then. <laughs> things are good. So so there was this article, and I think I sent it to to our group chat. That was about like you know, uh, black Americans moving abroad and and staying there, and I resonated with it so much because some of the reasons why. Um, so I don't know. Did you get have a chance to see it or no? I've probably read it because I, I've probably seen a couple of those, like black, especially yes. black women moving abroad. I saw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I read that one. Yeah. So what is your experience with, uh, with particularly that kind of narrative? It has been a break that I didn't expect it to be, but it's also had a lot of eye-opening experiences. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've lived in New York City and I, like I said, I travel. So I thought I knew everything. I thought yeah. I was so exposed and things <laughs> yeah. made sense. And of course, Brittany can drop into any country and figure mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. But it's quite different living in Europe. One, I've never felt so American. Uh, and I've always said, like, in the U.S., I've been a black woman who happens to be an American, but right. usually you stop at black, right? Like, that's right. the identifier. Mm -hmm. Here, I'm an American first who's a female who just happens to be black. So my blackness, I, ha I really struggled when I got here because I felt like I lost it. Mm, I, I had this coming of, like, coming... Um, it, like this this light spark in me and it was like hey I'm actually associate, associating blackness with black American mm -hmm. when I say black I don't mean other black but in my mind I had trained myself to say oh black lives matter to like think it covered the full spectrum but moving here mm -hmm. I was like no when I say I miss black culture I miss black American culture right that, that was a yeah that was a trigger for me to say maybe I'm not as open as I thought I was I don't know everything I didn't yeah. realize that European and people from uh the continent don't always identify themselves as black it's mm -hmm. I'm from x or I am blank and something else right While me I'm like black American because I don't know the origin of my my ancestors per mm -hmm. se so I don't have a country to attach so I had a lot of like aha moments as far mm -hmm. as like yeah how open and honest I was with myself about my exposure to culture so that was a good learning moment but also my American privilege I never realized 
how much privilege yeah. Americans have. <laughs> that possible, uh, man. Because these are things that I never have to think about, right? right. When my friends and I want to travel, pull the passport out, go. No visas, no stamps. Okay. Yeah. Once you have the pages, um, everyone's, you know, they don't accept the dollar. They'll exchange it at the hotel. There are all these things that I never have to think about. And so I came to Europe and I have friends that are like, no, you have a good passport. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Yeah, and they're like, no, you're I need like, a visa to go to Africa, my own African countries, and I'm like, but yes, you're Nigerian. And that has made been made <laughs> so mad before. Of like, I have a harder time navigating the African continent as an African than like Europeans or or Americans. <laughs> so that was like a surprise. I was like, but like, you have the green passport, like you're yeah. Nigerian. You can't just go here. And they're like, no, no, you can go. Can't. And I'm like, oh, so I had a lot of these moments of like, all right maybe I need to unlock something in me to think a bit wider. Or if I want my fight to be for black Americans, state that. I can't say right. black if I don't mean black mm-hmm. in its full entirety. So it really gave me an education. And also, I don't learn about European culture. Like, I mean, America, right? Like, I hate to say it, but it's always America first. Mm-hmm. So all of the, the narratives and, and literature we get taught is from the America perspective. And America is always the winner who comes in and saves everybody, right? Right. You don't do anything wrong. Until you start meeting people here and they're like, yo, America's kind of fucked up. And you're like, yo, you're right. <laughs> They're like, actually, damn, I didn't realize we did all that because, like, you look at any war, America swooped in at the last oh, yes. quarter and yes. saved the world. And it's like, <laughs> but wait, we could have came in so much earlier and avoided so much. No. Weird, like, yeah, plus. but you. But well, they you skip that killing. part, right? They skip that. They just talk about the American army coming in and saving whoever is in crisis. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, it's been a, a, a enlightening experience for me. Um, I've had to, like, take on like graphs with the fact that yeah I am an American and many mm-hmm. people are attracted to that because there's this like huge western influence again I never noticed because mm-hmm. I'm in the country influencing everyone else right. mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I my uh my friend she's French and I was like yeah so like where do you know we look at the French women for like inspiration where do you look at and she's like America America of course I was like, ew, <laughs> ew, how dare you like and she's like well where do you like America's the movies the yeah. music she's it's- like you guys own Hollywood you guys own the music scene you own the fashion scene like there are French designers but they're like you know upper echelon expensive yeah they all want to be at the New York Fashion Week exactly so when these are all things so exactly all things that I never thought about right. because I'm like the target consumer for all these, all of these things. That is so um, interesting. So, so part of what that article alluded to was that, uh, again, you say that it's been like a mental break, but uh, a mental break from experiencing blackness in, in America or in corporate America in, in particular. Right. Uh, and thinking about all these different things that particularly people of color experience um, for instance, like, microaggressions <laughs> um so how has something like that changed for you or if it has changed uh with transitioning from uh europe or from america to you to europe or what 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 that what did, what has that experience been like for you lately yeah that's interesting because i 
I would like to say that it has changed, but I would mm -hmm. almost feel as though the ideal of microaggressions in Europe is worse than in America because mm. in America we talk a bit more freely about race, not necessarily who did what bad and wrong, but if someone was to identify me, they'll be like, oh, the black girl on the team or right. like, oh, the blonde girl or the white Russian or something like you just say what the quickest identifier, right? And usually it's race or if someone's trying to be PC, they'll be like the girl with the braids. <laughs> <laughs> with the braids of the color that exactly girl. or oh yeah i think she like you know she's tall and skinny so it's like you'll use other things mm -hmm. i find in europe people are a little bit more scared to touch on the topic mm -hmm. so it's, they don't even sometimes realize that they're passing microaggressions like i was in the elevator with some people at work and i had just gotten my hair braided and it was like some color in it at the, at the tip mm -hmm ombre brown and black right nothing crazy the girls behind me and i feel her saying oh i love the color but she's touching my braids oh god i'm like but you don't touch color you can literally see the color but it was because <laughs> she wanted to touch my hair that mm. would not fly in the u.s at least in an elevator with a stranger in the mm -hmm. u.s somebody on your team will like has come up to me before and like reach for my hair and i'm like oh no don't do that and they're like i'm sorry but right. i didn't feel comfortable telling that person in, in europe like don't touch my hair because it was almost this blind innocence slash I should be able to touch it because I know you type feeling and I, right. I, I eventually told her like yeah I know you should cut your hair I didn't touch your hair and she laughed at me and I was like mm. don't pet me like you know like this so I find that in Europe it's a bit harder to educate people on the topic of microaggressions because mm. the topic of race as openly discussed slash I find in Amsterdam that there is this divide in uh, educational, socioeconomic. Okay, okay. That kind of happens. So I also feel like some Europeans, not necessarily only in the Netherlands, they're not exposed to people of other races to even have the conversation close right. enough with someone about race. While in America, um, we, do, we have a better job of maybe mixed friend groups or right. talk more casually. Well, um, yeah. It depends do, on where you live in, in America. In America, um, I find that now, now that race and diversity is a, is a key topic, you have a lot of people trying to empathize with you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I had this one guy, uh, quite senior in the company, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, Brittany, I actually, you know, relate more to the, the Black people. And I'm like, this <laughs> white guy. I'm like, okay. He's like, you know what? Have you seen the movie The Help? Oh my God! No, I like, no. I like, yeah, yeah. I was like, and I read the book before the movie because you know I support black black authors. Yeah, goes, mm -hmm. I grew up around that place, and I actually felt more close to the black people because I grew up poor. I said, okay, and he goes, so you know, I wish I was, people could see my face right now. I am like. I was like, okay, you're what? trying to relate to me. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, I understand what it's like to be someone marginalized in the community. I'm like, so you are a poor white person in the South. You were still better off than the richest black person in America. But right. I consider that like, okay, you're trying to connect with me, but you just told me you relate to black people because you grew up poor. Mm. So, uh, not because they liked you, not because you liked the food. No, no, you but you poor. grew up poor, so therefore black people are poor. are poor. So this is already in your head, and you're a senior yeah. person at the company, so you're making decisions. So this is already wired in your head, right? So now mm -hmm. I'm already on the defense in this conversation, because I, I mean, I didn't grow up rich, but I didn't grow up dirt poor. Mm -hmm. so now you're, you're assuming that I grew up poor, and you're assuming we're relating now because you grew up poor. It's not right. Story. You're like, where um, is that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, you know, you see that reflected in microaggressions across, like I said, hiring policies are how they speak with people. And it's like, mm, you're trying to connect with me, but you're really not. And you're actually making me feel uncomfortable. And now I can't be myself because now I can't tell you that, no, I didn't grow up poor, but I mm-hmm. feel like I need to temper the situation because, yeah, you think you're doing something, but you're not. <laughs> Brittany, you've been so busy the last few months at Booking with the Black Employees Network, (laughs) and we've talked a bunch of times about this, but tell the people what havoc you've been causing. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, why I'm in everyone's email box. Yes. Um, Yeah, so in addition to the day job that pays the bill, Mm -hmm. I'm also the current uh, global chair of Be Bold, which is Booking.com's employee resource group focused on the Black employees. So our mission is to support, grow, and retain our Black talent and to future leaders. Uh, So essentially help create a pipeline because right Right. now there isn't much representation at for black employees globally at the managerial level. So when I say manager, someone who has the power to hire, fire, and grow an employee. Um, So a lot of us come in at different functions, especially at the lower levels or in service related roles, but uh, we don't grow in the company. So the whole point of the ERG is to bring light of that Mm -hmm. um, and to make it, um, I would say a priority for the company going forward to nurture us as an employee base. Right, 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 right. Um, so yes, definitely. Then the last few months have been a lot of activity for you, um, coming up against you know the global fight against uh, racism, um, and you've taken your company to task on it. Yes, yes. So I'm quite uh, American and bullish when it comes to these topics. Because again, for me, um, yeah, race is something that I've always talked about as a child. My grandparents were very involved in the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always been a free flowing topic. And it's uh, and, and thankfully, my parents did a lot of self education. So mm-hmm. that they realized the schools weren't going to teach me about my history, because according to the schools, my history started at slavery. Mm-hmm. My parents were very clear as a child that you were kings and queens before all of this shit happened Mm -hmm. so you have power in your voice so when it came down to what was happening in the U.S. especially around George Floyd um, again being away is a bit of a mental break but I am close with my family and friends so I felt the anxiety that they felt and it it really reminded me of the anxieties I felt in 2016 right it was all those killings back to back and having to go to work and having my soul literally being ripped from me but smiling Mm -hmm. in meetings and talking about things I didn't care about all I wanted to do was like cry so when it came down to George Floyd and I was in this position as chair I knew I needed to use all the power behind me and literally the force of the ancestors right to get Mm -hmm. the voice heard so I posted um a video to our internal workplace group uh and it really just talked about it's okay to not be okay because I just wanted people to know like this I I literally remember that feeling in 2016 Mm -hmm. of like dying inside and no one understood because there were no black people um and my my team and such and I had to go to some senior black people and they held like a basically a black people lunch where Mm -hmm. we just basically all cried out to each other and booking like I said in Europe doesn't talk about race at all we don't have those black leaders um so the ERG is kind of like a quasi-black leadership so I knew right. I needed to say something and I posted the video and it really came from a place of like empathy because I wasn't okay 
And right. I, I, I literally said like my emotional state is completely destabilized, but I'm here all week, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it, it started to resonate with a lot of people, even black, non-black, because it was also in the middle of COVID. So not only right. are we dealing with this global pandemic, I'm also worried about my people being like mistreated and killed. Indeed. Um, Indeed. And my people could be anyone because it's you could like literally do anything and right. So it really kind of kicked off and um, I would say exploded in the company. The video was shared with many senior people, um, and from there, I would say be bold started to get put into the spotlight people started leaning in and trying to figure out what can we do to support um and then putting together a plan and meeting with the ceo and now he he's very committed to making sure we do this the right way i was quite surprised at how committed right. he was to this cause um as well as many other the leaders in the u.s so we have a lot of good traction like we our ceo has spoke about it Mm -hmm. um, he's made about six or seven videos. Mm -hmm. I would say at least half of those videos he's mentioned whether the work he's working with Be Bold or some initiatives that he's working on. Right. Um, the LT members are fully activists. So the leadership team, the people who report into him, right, right, mm -hmm. have been fully activated. And I uh, feel like now we have relationships with them where I'm even catching up with one of them tomorrow. I called mm -hmm. up with another one last week uh, because my next step is asking them like, all right, Be Bold, we've taken time to create our roadmap. Our CEO has a line that he's supporting it. I want to go to each of these departments and say, what are you going to do to drive it forward? Right. So I think so. So, so, I mean, I, I just love what you've been, what you've been doing, Brittany. And one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is that, uh, well, first Be Bold already existed, right? So you already had a vehicle uh, to for activism uh, already uh, like this in the in this moment but there are lots of people of color out there uh, who the last few months their companies didn't have something like this right yeah. uh, and they've been thinking about like how do we how do we activate so what would be like your advice to them um yeah so the two it was it was two or three women who started this like I would call them courageous women to be honest because right. they they went out on a limb and felt the need and they had to go through a lot of political hoops. But yeah, yeah these three women like helped to like- So three black women. Uh, three black women, yep. Black women coming out, riding, riding in and saving the day again. Coming in, saving the day, always. <laughs> putting, the, putting like their, their, their feet to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I would say if you're starting, one for me uh i like to always make sure there's like a business sense right so everyone likes community it feels good but to get the mm -hmm. attention of the right people you need to have a business angle so okay. like while our mission is to support retain and grow black employees our vision is to provide a, a, the best traveled experience for the black for the black traveler right so we also have an angle where we want to work more with the business to create an inclusive platform uh because it's yeah it's a travel site so how do me how do i as a black woman go look at travel very differently mm -hmm than a white man right. um so i would say you know try to have a bit of business benefit behind it as well because that's an easy sell to leadership mm -hmm. uh, but also the community so never forget about your base but you also have to play a bit of politics uh, so be clear on what that offering is on both sides right um and i think i would say it takes time and patience uh it's actually i think way harder than i thought to rally a community mm -hmm. because if what feels good for you might not feel good for someone else like example if it's black and booking mm -hmm. we had a lot of people especially on the continent that was like i'm not black i'm Ghanaian. i'm Kenyan. Mm -hmm. yeah south african i'm nigerian like about it 
what is this black thing? Like, I don't feel like I, everyone around me is black. Like what's the, you know, so it took a bit more convincing that I thought it would take. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would say it takes time, it takes some patience, but if you have like a clear vision on what your community could look like and what your business side could look like, it's an easy sell because some people might not feel they want to be a part of the community, but when you put the business spin on it, they'll actually get involved. Right. Um, so those are two. And I think the third one is, like I said, always be enthusiastic. You're the face mm -hmm. of something. Even when things are hard, you need to really put on your best self to mm -hmm. drive people through crisis. Because when you're starting an ERG, you really are a thought leader. Mm -hmm. um, you can't always let you, it's like you're in your mini organization, your mini company, just because you're having a bad day, it needs to go forward. Right. So, always have like enthusiasm behind the work and some mm -hmm. passion into it because it will get hard. You will like all of us right now are in the, on our ERG are experiencing the pains of mm -hmm. what's happening, but we need to move forward. We need to comfort. Uh, you always need to be a bit bigger than yourself. So it's, it is a responsibility and I think the passion helps. So yeah, mm -hmm. I would say overall have a clear purpose, whether it's mm -hmm. um, community and business oriented. Um, yeah. Really help to, have enthusiasm behind mm -hmm. your work and passion because that will drive it. And then, yeah, I think those two. I love it. I love it so much. Another thought that comes to mind for me, especially about the last few months, is just like Black people feeling pressure, right? To be put on the sport, to carry this cause or, or something like that. Um, you took it on, you know, quite valiantly uh, because you were already, of course, a leader of Be Bold and, and everything like that. But to to have those uncomfortable conversations with the, with your company um, and to actually continuously be driving them, um, I commend you for that, first of all. Oh, thanks. <laughs> People commend you uh, for, for that. But um, I guess I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are for people who are like, feeling the pressure <laughs> or, or something yeah no I, I think that's a unique one because I like this I, this is literally a passion for me and <laughs> I feel so strongly about it I'm not gonna right. say I'm gonna sacrifice everything that sounds crazy like mm -hmm. I'm no billionaire I'm not ready for that right but I do feel like generally these type of like divert like diversity and inclusion in general needs to be disruptive in companies where there isn't that. So I, I actually feel like I should be challenging more, and I challenge these people more than I do in my day job. I feel like my day job is to successfully move things left to right. Mm -hmm. That's, That's it. it. Like mm -hmm. as, as harmonious as possible, mm -hmm. uh, even when I can go up and down, it's literally to move it left to right in a happy, timely way. Right. Uh, with diversity agendas, I feel like this is my time to be disruptive. This is my mm -hmm. time to really use my expertise because if you think about it, they set these groups up because those people who need the inputs haven't lived the experience, whether it's women, right. LGBTQ, uh, disability, Black, Hispanic, whatever. They're here because they need your knowledge. So it always fulfills me to know I have something that they want and if mm -hmm. they produce something for me that I don't like I need to speak up against you need to it speak up yes yeah and we so say all the time not yeah. like a tick on a box that it's not oh, just a tick on a box <laughs> exactly <laughs> black employees resource group right exactly and I mean like mm -hmm. you always have to play a bit of politics but for those who like are a little ap apprehensive to get involved I get it because mm -hmm. traditionally it's it's a disruptive space, right? And people, mm -hmm. depending on your company, if you're disruptive, 
you're ruining the DNA and the fabric of what, you know, the right, of what environment it is. is. So mm-hmm. you definitely need to like, you know, like temper it to your company, but I would often, I would definitely say, this is where we can have our strongest backbone that they ask mm-hmm. you as a volunteer to tell about the black experience. This is your moment to mm-hmm. tell them about it. Like right. you don't have to sugarcoat it. They don't have to like it. And you can preface it with, it might be vastly different than anything you've ever heard before. But, <laughs> but this is but here, like this it's is the moment. Truth. Exactly. And I think with the George Floyd and the way things are going, way more people are open mm-hmm. uh, to hearing because you can't tell me that, you know, when someone steps into a conference and it's a hundred white men, people don't look around and say like, where's everybody else? Right. They just have to just say like, hey, I guess this who's here should be here. And then the one or two black people walk in are women and it's like all heads turn to them. And it's like, well, you've been here. Like you thought this was good. Like this is not Gucci. (laughs) Like a room full of white men is not Mm -hmm. the one. Yeah. Our chance to like, you know, be that person in the room and say, actually, I belong here. I can do this too. Let me prove some things to you that you might, you know, have been predispositioned to believe. Yeah. And if you ask me my truth, I'm going to tell it to you again in the way that you don't lose your job but yes <laughs> more, more importantly like be smart <laughs> but don't like if someone asks you like oh no it's a great culture for black people no actually when i came in here i noticed there was only one of me on six floors like <laughs> yes <laughs> it's not a, no i don't feel safe right. and comfortable here being myself i am only myself like you know i'm not the spotted zebra like get out of here Ah, you give me so much life, Brittany. Thank you so much for this conversation. I love it. People, I love people it. crazy I love out it. here. People, people, I, man, these companies crazy. Just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like, I'm, I'm on the fan. And I always wasn't this way. Let me be clear to anyone mm-hmm. listening. Ah, I am okay, in my okay. 30s. So I do have, um, I would say, some experience and some like grown confidence over the years. If I was mm-hmm. 25, I don't think I would be as bold um, as I've been with this company, but I've seen things and I've been that person who has silenced their voice because I was the mi- minority and I wanted to fit mm. in with the minority. I've been that person who's taken the microaggressions or even outrightly racist comments and smiled through it because I was afraid to lose my job or I knew this was somebody's nephew, nepotism. Right. I used to work in finan- like finance, so... Mm-hmm you know, you don't want to piss off anyone because you don't know who's connected to the head of investment bank and everyone right. wants to work there. So there were plenty of moments where I was like outrightly excluded um, and it wasn't fair. So now that I feel a bit more confident in my ability to mm-hmm. produce in my day job, one, I've grown as a person and experienced these things. I feel like it's my duty going back to what I said at the very beginning to make sure people can live out their truth and them best their best right. selves. So I don't want a 25 year old me having to experience the things that I experienced. That you did. I was too afraid to speak up once I got older. Like I'm all about throwing, throwing it back. Right. I'm not a right. barrel person was meant for me as meant for me. So if I can do something to help my generation, people younger than me, or even people older than me, like I'm here for that. And I'm willing to like, yeah, like yeah. I said, be a bit bold about it. So that is quite powerful, and I think it's something a lot of people will identify with, right? That you've been there, been silent um, in some of the situations. Um, silent and suffer. Let's be clear. Mm, silent I, and I've suffer. I've cried at my desk 
many days when I was working back in because oh, it's yeah. like who do you go to like I need to wear my hair a certain way I remember I would just wear a nice dress Brittany that dress is Ooh. so tight it's in my size I'm sorry I have hips yeah <laughs> so I hit the gym like Ooh. crazy right wow. fasting left and right because mm -hmm. I, I want to wear the same pencil skirts that everyone's wearing but I'm a little voluptuous yeah say or the boys in the office are making comments when I walk by or it's literally like and I'm like but y'all don't do that with anyone else so you know there are times when I I wasn't myself but I also was like not not first generation college but first generation corporate America mm -hmm. so I couldn't go to my parents and they're just like oh you have a great job keep it and so that was in my mind keep the job right keep the job keep, keep the, the job. job like okay but now like I said there's a little bit of a different space um, yeah and I think race and conversation are like high on people's minds so I think right. now is the moment for it's anyone opportunity opportunity time like yeah up. like every what, what is this that phrase every tragedy is an opportunity or something mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. take it because they're going to be a moment where they're not going to care again and you're going to wish maybe you said some things at that time at that time to shift culture right now whoa Brittany what is your hype pop song <laughs> Okay, so can I give you two? <laughs> okay, fine, I guess. All right, so this one is going to be like super old school, not old school, but like early 2000s. It's the yeah. Nuck If You Buck. By oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Super high. Yeah. So I, I joined, a, uh, I'm a member of uh, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and this was like my favorite stroll song. So okay. Is, Wait, you're a Delta. I am a Delta. Oh, snap. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not active. Don't tell anyone. No. Okay. <laughs> it's in my soul, though. When I settle, okay. I settle down for my family, I'll, I'll join a, a grad chapter. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was my favorite song. And then this other song by Megan Thee Stallion called Reeler. Oh, okay, okay. Megan Thee Stallion called Reeler. Yeah, I, I just like her down. bars. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little raunchy. She speaks buzz for days. She does, she does. So I really like her in the song, and I like the beat because it's a, it's like a, it's a beat from like a 3-6 Mafia song, and I used mm -hmm, to like 3-6 mm -hmm. Mafia. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Different. Yeah. All right. Um, what three words would you describe yourself with, Whitney? Yes, uh, I would say curious, mm -hmm. open-minded, and enthusiastic. Mm, tell us more about them. Yeah, so I'm generally always excited about discovering anything new. Um, mm -hmm. Like I was saying, I have this general phrase that you should try everything twice if it's safe, right? Some things you do once and you're like, nah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but <laughs> for many things, I feel like yeah. the first time is often like the curious piece, right? You're like, you know, you get a new phone, you kind of pick it up, you explore it. But by the second time you use it, you're texting, you're on Instagram, you're downloading all your apps, like that's when you really fall into it. So I, I firmly believe like try everything twice. And I apply this to travel, to food, dating even when I shouldn't mm -hmm. like, <laughs> no, try it again so I was saying like generally enthusiastic about new things uh, mm -hmm. and the little things make me happy right because there's so much to be sad about why take that energy let's focus on the positive um open-minded in the sense like I said I really like being exposed to culture um people food just anything to kind of broaden my mind or mm -hmm. challenge my thoughts on something because uh, I do like to continuously learn so I would say open-minded in the sense that you can always be yourself and I'm always going to listen even if I think I'm right I'm still going to listen yeah right. um and then curious just my mind is always wondering I'm a bit of a daydreamer mm -hmm. um 
but curious because I always think there is something more, something else or something different. And I think that continuously drives me in the workspace of just always looking for new challenges and not being afraid of like big, big issues. Because mm-hmm. I think anything is solvable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would say enthusiastic, open-minded and curious. Love it. Love it. Great. Great. All right. Let's close this off. I feel like we've learned so much in this conversation today about being bold about. Yeah. Uh, that's from your experiences. I love it. Everyone, I think everyone is going to appreciate this, but if you could. Give now I appreciate it. you asking ah! to join. Thank you for inviting me. I really so appreciate it. Last words of advice, though. Maybe uh, pieces of advice that you haven't already kind of shared with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say really quickly. Um, be fearless mm-hmm. and don't lose your voice. Don't lose your voice. Be fearless and don't lose your voice. Yep. The worst thing someone can say is no. And then you just walk away. <laughs> like and you do something you know, else. You do you pivot, right? But just mm-hmm. you know, like just don't be afraid. Like just be fearless. And yeah, you're you don't lose your voice, whether it's at work and relationship, personal, even your own voice in your head. Like don't lose it because you gotta trust your intuition and you know more than you think. Right. So speak up. Don't lose your voice and be fearless. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm going to go to sleep today with like some. <laughs> be fearless. Yeah, you got to be gotta fearless. Everyone else is. Oh, okay. Great. Brittany, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, thank you, Nancy, for inviting me. Oh, I love you. <laughs> we got to do this more often, and I'll actually make it up over over and down to where you are, wherever. Verona will not you. let us be great. I'm like, what is this? Why are you trying to, like, you know, we don't like her. black girl magic? Uh, we don't like Rona. She's, she's not a friend. She's a foe. Yeah. No, with a MAGA okay. hat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I'll be coming down to Amsterdam soon, so I'll let yeah, you know. Let me know, girl. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again. Yes, well, thank you. This is so much fun. All right. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening to Britney's story. I hope you're always inspired by her as I am. I mean, I want Britney's energy and vibe, and I want to be her when I grow up, you know. I would love to hear your thoughts on the many wonderful things that Brittany and I talked about. So come over to the B Squared C Instagram and LinkedIn page and share your thoughts. And if you loved this podcast episode so much, feel free to leave us five stars wherever you're listening from and share, share this amazing episode with your friends, family and colleagues. Next week, I will be reflecting on a theme or two that came out of the conversation with Brittany. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired.